Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and I've got a special treat for you today. Now, one of our most popular programs that we have is our How to Defeat Larger Attackers DVD. You can actually get it for free at our website at defeatlargerattackers.com. But not only am I an instructor for close quarters combat, but I also consider myself a lifelong student. And I'm always looking for new tips, tricks, and tactics when it comes to combatives. Well, I was digging around at some old archives from our International Society of Close Quarter Combatants. That was the predecessor to the New World Patriot Alliance. And I found this old recording with a friend of mine, Avi Nardia, who is an instructor in New York, but was also part of the Israeli military counterterrorism uh, unit. Now, I've known Avi for years, and he is, and, I, and I've seen him fight, and I've heard the stories of everything that he's been through in combat. And I can tell you that he is probably one of the most dangerous men I've ever met in my life. But I would put him at probably about five foot six and maybe a buck twenty or maybe a buck thirty. He's not a big guy. So you know that the techniques that he's had to develop, especially against larger people than him, had to have worked. And this is an extended broadcast that we did many years ago. So it was with our, our broadcast director, Buck Green and Avi Nardia, talking about Israeli combatives for dealing with larger, stronger attackers. Now, it's almost two hours long, so you have a lot of material here to listen to over this next week before our next broadcast comes out. So check it out, take notes, find some ways that you can supplement your own combatives training with tips that Avi has, and I know you're going to love what you hear. Go ahead and check this out now. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. There isn't a single person who hasn't thought about it. What can I do when facing a much stronger, much larger opponent? If you're fortunate enough to be a very big man, this isn't often a concern for you. But when you do meet someone who is larger, you may find yourself suddenly out of your depth. If, by contrast, you're a small person, almost everyone you may face on the street is larger than you, and now you've got to figure out how to cope with self-defense when the odds begin already against you. Facing larger attackers and doing so effectively is the topic of tonight's broadcast. Hello, everyone. I am Buck Green, Operations Manager for the International Society of Close Quarters Combatants, and tonight our very special guest is Avi Nardia of Kapop, an acronym in Hebrew that translates to face-to-face -face combat. Hello, Avi. Hi, Bob. Good to be here. Um, now, Avi travels the world training civilians and military personnel alike. He is a former intelligence team member of Unit Yamam, uh, Israel's, Israel's premier counter-terror takeover unit, uh, equivalent to the U.S. Delta Force or the FBI's hostage rescue team. Avi served in the Israeli Defense Force in the Lebanese War and attained the rank of major. Among the forces he's trained are SWAT, SRT, SERT, the Army, Marines, and other counter-terror units. The, the list goes on. In Israel, Avi taught defensive tactics and operational behavior at the Operational Police Academy, which trains police throughout Israel. 
Avi is also a reserve police sniper and a CQB trainer in the IDF reserves. For more information about Avi and his training, please visit his website at www.avinardia.com. That's A-V-I-N-A-R-D-I-A.com. All right, Avi, let's jump right in here. Uh, I assume that the nature of close quarters combat experienced by the Israeli military and counterterrorist units requires a focused training program for hand-to-hand and weapons combat. How does the Israeli military typically teach its personnel to deal with larger attackers? Well, first, I think that, um, you know, um, I think that there are a lot of people uh, living by misconception that uh, the Israeli army training uh, hand-to-hand, and that's the first misconception. It's not like that in the real life and in the true um, the Israeli soldiers actually getting, uh, I would say, the minimum of hand-to-hand uh, program compared, I would say, to the 60s or the 70s. And from the late 80s, the military became more dependent on weapons and uh, different tactics uh, than on to a hand-to-hand program. And uh, today in the market, a lot of time people coming to me with this and uh, it's illusion. First of all, I want to to emphasize it. The Israeli army is not depend on the hand-to-hand program, and actually, the Israeli army uh, hand-to-hand program is a very low level. Let's start from that. I don't say that it uh, need to be that way. I just say that this is a fact. That a lot of time the fitness and uh, uh, combative uh, condition program. Uh, don't pay attention too much to the hand-to-hand program. Mostly uh, since in the late 80s, it got a lot of injuries on uh, training. And when you have a soldier of special forces need to leave uh, from the training or from the course or the unit because he broke his knee, then, you know, the necessity of the hand-to-hand program uh, just start to be no need. And actually... I tried to revolve it and to push more uh, hand-to-hand to the Israeli army and, uh, you know, um, different units. Now, in some of the army units, because of the, because of the um, uh, kind of a job that they're doing, so it's not the army, it's some kind of the units inside the army, they're getting a little bit better uh, program for hand-to-hand. So it's not really the Army uh, at all emphasize it. It's just uh, part of the Army and only some kind of unit that's really dealing uh, with work that they need a lot of hand-to-hand. And uh, in that particular uh there is a big problem because uh, a lot of time they will face in a riot, um, Today, the U.S. is uh, in Iraq, so you can see what happened in Libya. You can see what happened to the U.S. ambassador in Libya. Um, and that's actually a situation that uh, those kind of units will need to be faced because uh, they will serve as uh, bodyguards in the army for uh, um, high VAP uh, generals, and they might find themselves in situation like uh, the embassy uh, of the U.S. in Libya, and those units need a different training, and this training is actually uh, more than the average uh, training that people today coming and say I was uh, 
hand-to-hand trainer in the army, but first it depends on which years, second it depends to which unit, because that will uh, clear very quick what kind of uh, technique they study and what kind of uh, level they got into it, because the basic program is less than 10 hours, and to be honest, it's a joke. Uh, I don't agree for it. I think that to give uh, somebody the minimum, it's better not to give him nothing, because... uh, when you give somebody illusion, that's the worst that you can do. Uh, there's nothing more dangerous than people that think they know everything when they know nothing. And and that's uh, something that I was always against. And uh, I think mostly as a self-defense, I always try also to educate uh, my students, my friends, um, to watch from those kind of things about uh, units that need to deal with a very aggressive situation like what you saw in uh, Libya. Um, first, also those situations, they change. The terrorism uh, changed the face every day. And when we update, they following us and they update too. That's why many times there is a big problem. Do we need to teach those uh, techniques on public or only in a closed class? because uh, today everyone offered the programs uh, online, YouTube, and um, it's nice, but on the same time it gives also the bad people uh, to approach the same ideas and to counter them. So it's a little bit sometimes problematic. But uh, I would say that if you see my size, I'm a very small person, and uh, I'm also handicapped in two hands and more. And I still can fight. And I think that uh, once you understand the leverage and the art and the science behind martial art and the spirit and determination and education and moral and ethic in martial art, nobody can really fight you or win over you. And that's a thing that uh, we put, I would say, as a light before of anything, is determination and fearless and how to train under stress. And strong people should not worry you because uh, that's the basic idea, that my enemy is always bigger than me, always stronger than me. And when you look at uh, the map and you see the size of Israel and the size of the countries around Israel, you could see it's the same idea. Very small country, very uh, small population, and still they're making exist. And uh, we have a saying in Israel that we say the problem and the different. Those big, strong people as those big, strong uh, countries that want to destroy us, they can do a lot of mistakes. They, uh, they can afford a lot of losers. We cannot uh, lose one time and we cannot afford one mistake because that's our end. And that's a key point when you're going to fight a strong guy. Uh, the first mistake is the last mistake. That's uh, one of the points that you need to, to think about. So when you go into a fight with a big guy, stronger guy, uh, you must be ready for it. And you are not allowed to do any mistake because uh, the first mistake will be your last one. And it means uh, he's going to do his mistake by misjudging you, by seeing you as a victim, as a small guy. Because, you know, if you've been in his size, so he's not big and strong, you know. So the, the difference is he's big and strong when you're a smaller frame. So that's why 
is always misjudging you. And if you will be able, uh, like David and Goliath in the Bible, to take this and I would say uh, maybe even to cheat the game because when he thinks you're going to punch him, you're going to hit him with a stone or with a branch. That's how you're going to win. It's not the UFC. You're not going to say, are you ready, are you ready? And then you go. Um, here, you might uh, use a psychological to take his attention, and in a one strike, that's your chance. If the stone don't get on the properly place, um, I would say that David had a big problem with Goliath because if the stone didn't go in between the two eyes and it missed and he touched, for example, the armor or the helmet, I think from here David is uh, need to have a good shoes and to start run very fast. So it's the same idea for us when we're approaching a fight with a big guy. Um, you should um, uh, First, you should be very educated and you should be a good martial artist. Uh, today, there is a lot of fast food. There is no solution. It's like uh, there's no, you cannot be a doctor by two minutes. It takes years of practice. And you cannot solve a real problem as medic. Yes, if you have a headache, take this pill. You don't need uh, more than to go to the pharmacy. But when it comes to people's uh, self-defense, uh, they think that there is a solution that they can study in two minutes. It's not. If you are not an educated martial artist, um, I would say that it will be very hard for you to go out from a stronger guy, even a smaller guy. And uh, that's why I, I don't like to illusion people. Many times people think that there is a magic pill or magic um, touch. The magic touch and the magic pill, it's called training and hard training. The more you're training hard, you will success, and no doubt you will success. And if you got a good trainer and an honest trainer that emphasize those uh, facts to you, you will never fail and you will never lose a fight. But if you're going to go to, uh, and I saw it a lot today, everyone uh, is a reality base, everyone is a street uh, defense. But, you know, uh, if, you, if you face them with a real fight, I'm not sure they're going to cross those uh, steps. And I'm not saying it to critic anybody because, you know, I'm critic the, the idea. I'm not critiquing a person. I think that today, uh, even when I look to my Facebook, everyone carry gun. Everyone want to show how bad the uh, boy he can be. And um, that's not the martial art. And my goal is many times to educate people as a martial artist. And if you take martial art as a way of life, if you adapted the martial art, not because you only want to self-defense as a way of life, first you'll be much more healthy, and, you know, uh, most of us will die from heart attack, not by getting beat up by strong guys. And uh, that's why I lecture many times to people uh, to look into the martial art about everything, not only about the self-defense, but if you look about everything, the self-defense obviously will be there. But sometimes when you look, only for self-defense, you'll never find anything, plus you will never find self-defense. And, and I, I tell you the truth. Uh, I see a lot of self-defense uh, nonsense in the market. Yeah, I see it also in traditional martial arts, there's no doubt. But I see today a lot of people that I ask, 
what is your education before you come to teach? How can you, I mean, the guy, he was never a police officer and he wants to teach a police. You cannot. If you don't understand the use of force, the liability, uh, how it's going to face court, a lot of things that a police officer cannot do. And this guy come from a UFC and, no, not everything that you can do in a UFC or a street fight you can do as a police officer. And I see today people uh, offered the most devastating uh, program. You cannot offer the most devastating program for uh, law enforcement. Law enforcement uh, job is all about control and restraint. So the guy they talk about devastating ego and nothing more. And the next, you 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 disturbing this cop to do really his job because uh, devastating. The first time this police officer will need to defend himself in, in, in court why he killed that person for no need. Not every time you arrest a drunk guy and every night you have to, to arrest like three or four. You you need to come with this kind of use of force. And, and that's what I'm saying is, uh, again, um, I have no problem to answer about how to defend uh, strong people, big people, a, a mob. Uh, it's things that we faced uh, many times in my units. And, and actually, that's a part of the program. But uh, illusion is something that I don't like. And that's why I always say, better be a student of reality than master of illusion. And, uh, you know, in, in the old days, everyone hide and uh, play ninja. And, and uh, you know, it was looking like Halloween. All, all the <laughs> teachers uh, play like ninja games. And now everyone play like a soldier. That's not reality. You're not going in the street with a helmet and two guns. And if you have a problem with a helmet and two guns, God help you. I mean, uh, it's a joke. You know, if you cannot operate one guy, you know, it's like people that go with five knives. Why are you assuming that you're going to lose the first one? Already you're, uh, you're in a misconception. I take one knife and you never take it away from me. I guarantee for you. I don't need five knives on me. I need only one knife. I need only one gun. If your gun stuck or don't operate, it's your fail because you didn't maintain it properly. You know, in my unit, we got a gun with a magazine of 30 bullets when the original is uh, 17. And all the people say, if I don't take the terrorist in the first five bullets, anyway, I get shot. I already got shot. So all the toys and the macho and the ego and today all the tactical uh, companies, it looks like, Everyone looks like a yo-yo, you know, or everyone, and, and now I see them on my Facebook, you know, everyone. I say, who, you, you know, there is a Delta Force to save the world. There's the, the, the U.S. Marines. And the white people want to dress uh, camouflage and going to the mall in the main city and, and training martial art. Uh, who are you trying to impress, your girlfriend? I mean, if you want to be in a special force, if you want to be in the army, just join the army. And... Um, this is what I lecture to people because I think that all the reality base became, you know, uh, people, I see them with a parachute, a gas mask. Come on. That's not the way we're going to fight. And uh, all the people that look like uh, Bob the Builder uh, and they have a belt with 20 knives on them. This is a reality fight. Uh, did you ever see, other than Bob the Builder, people walking with a hammer and 20 knives and an axe and a small knife? It's a joke. Now, Bob the Builder is a reference that our listeners who don't have children may not necessarily know. Um, I have oh. nieces and nephews, and I know that Bob the Builder is a beloved children's character who is 
just what you think he is. He does construction. <laughs> now, yeah, you know, like the construction belt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and that's I know what I said, you know, when, when I meet those kind of teachers, I said, you are not teaching reality. You don't need the military uniform and the parachute on you to teach uh, people, mostly civilians, to self-defense themselves. And to face reality is first not to dress up like Halloween. That is that is a very wise piece of advice. And, and to uh, leave I mean, your I ego. That, yes. Uh, I know that your Kapop system isn't truly Krav Maga, which is what is taught in the Israeli military. What specific advantages does the system that you offer uh, give your trainees who are concerned about defending against someone who is bigger and stronger? Okay, first, uh, the Kapap system founder is the Lieutenant Colonel Chaim Peel. And uh, Chaim Peel is the Lieutenant Colonel in the top military unit in Israel, which is uh, uh, Matkal, which is similar to United States Delta Force. And he's a Lieutenant Colonel in that unit. Uh, he carries uh, three honorary uh, medals from three different chief of staff. So it means, you know, if you carry from one, maybe he's your friend, you know. But uh, when you carry from three different chief of staff, honorary medal of, like, heroism, and he's the builder, and he is actually the mind behind the system. And I am, like, more co-founder, because uh, when I had to take Yamam, which is a uh, Israeli, today, primary counter-terrorist uh, unit, and uh, more like the FBI rescue team. It's different because, you know, Delta Force or Navy SEALs, they have uh, counter-terrorist units, but that's not their main. And the FBI rescue team is more like, um, I would say, uh, um, like similar to my unit. And um, I would say that the unit first from the founders is different. And what makes a, a, a different system is first the founders. It's not just a name, you know. When you look for Judo and Aikido, they're both coming from Japan. But Aikido is not Judo, and Judo is not Aikido. And uh, for Kappa, for example, also when I look for the background, uh, for example, for uh, most of people that claim they're founders in uh, Krav Maga, they claim they don't have a uh, uh, martial art background. For me, it's a joke. I'm sorry if I insult anybody, but you know, I'm 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 also stand for my words, and I'm ready to face them on the mat, uh, or or in a shooting range. And this is an open invitation because sometimes I'm really fed up from uh, nonsense, and uh, I say it because I'm really fed up. Uh, you know, today people call me fraud. I'm a military major. Those yo-yo that walk with a, a camouflage uniform, they never been in any army. Some of them are mental cases, like one that called me fraud. After three weeks in the Israeli army, he was dismissed. The other guy, after uh, AOL, he was dismissed. So I did my military service. I know the military service from the age of 14, because I grew up in the army. I grew up in a, as a military cadet. And my point is very uh, uh, different. The system is very different, first, uh, from the audience, that the system was built to. The system was not built to the entire army. The system was built to a specific unit that is a counter-terrorist unit. And the system was built up for what we called as a um, takeover unit. 
because, you know, you can take the units as a takeover engagement and support units. And the takeover units, the units that just come and attack, take over the, the situation. And those units need to deal with a lot of aggression. Those units, uh, you might be undercover by yourself and you might be attacked by a mob, by audience. Uh, in my unit, where the situation of one of the soldiers in a riot in Jerusalem, he was kidnapped inside the mosque because, you know, they run after uh, riot people. They throw stones and Molotov bottles, you know, like uh, uh, try to make uh, uh, primitive bombs. Mm -hmm. And he was uh, chasing, uh, you know, riot people. And when he come too close to the mosque, they locked him. And he didn't see that he's very far from the other unit. Maybe he was uh, uh, running too fast. But anyway, he did a mistake. They lock him and put him inside the mosque. They put him inside the mosque when all the mosque people tried to lynch him. They kicked him, they punched him, and uh, he survived. And by the way, they took his gun, they tried to shoot his head, and there was a malfunction. They try again, there was again a malfunction. And they try again, there was again a malfunction. Three times, he survived. When he back to the unit, we joke. We say that he should go to prison because his gun got malfunctioned. That's not right. <laughs> but uh, the guy survived it. And you know why? Because he was built up for this situation. Because a part of the test in my unit, that if I do it in the army, I'll go to the military court. But in my unit, it's very legal. They have to run like two miles, climb ropes, do different obstacles. When they are completely exhausted, we put them in the hand-to-hand -hand room. We make them tired on bags and pads to kick until they really cannot breathe. You know, their cardio is so high. And then we surround them by four to six people that punching and kicking them from all over. And a good fighter is not a fighter that can hit. It's a fighter that can observe, can take. And this is what we want to see. We want to see them exhausted. I want to see that they can take it. And they take it. And that's why when it comes to realistic uh, situation, they already build up. And you need also to remember that when they kidnap you into the mosque, there's only one person, if you're in a corner, that can punch you. It's the person uh, that attack you. But that person is also serving as a shield. So if you a little bit play with, you know, blocking his arm or you know, hooking to his arm in different ways. Um, he can hit you, but it's not so effective. And by damage control, you know, he hit you not so effective, but he's also serving as a shield for you that the three people behind him that try to to hit you, they've also been, you know, blocking by him. And the 100 behind those three are actually blocking by, you know, by those three. And uh, that's why... You can still fight with a lot of people if you train to do it, if you uh, work about different concepts of working as a shield and how to shield people and how to uh, do different drills uh, to avoid people, to be, you know, like in between two, for example, or in between five that you are in the middle. So you always have to make sure that the five, there will be one behind the other and not around you. And uh, I would say that uh, that's where we come to a unit like my unit. Uh, the training is one year. 
the training is not uh, a week. And most of the guys in my unit, they've been already captain in the Israeli Navy SEALs, or they've been in the paratrooper like a lieutenant, and they've been in a different infantry unit as a major or or, or, or some of them as a sergeant. But then from 5,000 people, we will pick like uh, 100, and from 100, there will stay 10 that will go to the training. And in the training, there's one rule. Nobody can be injured because from those 10, they all must success. And the training go for one year. And in this one year, I am a main, uh, I would say, I am a very main part in the training as a trainer. It's not that they see me once a week or once a month. They see me every day for a few hours. And when you get the opportunity to work with people five days a week, every day, after one year, you can show result. And um, you can build them up with a lot of concept of martial art. And that's what makes it different uh, system uh, than Krav Maga, that it's a very basic uh, system. A Krav Maga instructor uh, course in the Army will take one month. So how can you compare? One month is to become an instructor. And you here we train them as a soldier, not to be instructor. None of them will be instructor. And I would say that the instructor for that unit is me. And I was picked up, for example, from all Israel instructor because when uh, the position was open, uh, I would say that uh, most of Israeli martial artists and trainers tried to obtain for the opportunity. It's a big prestige to be a trainer. And they pick of me not because I'm the strongest guy, I would say, because I'm very educated when it comes to martial art. And I do uh, from traditional martial art to combat martial art, from uh, firearms to anything, to knife fighting. So uh, when you want, you want the knowledge. And that's what I try also to teach today to people, to give them and to pass them knowledge. Uh, brain is your weapon. Krav Maga, for example, uh, you know, uh, thread is like uh, no groin, no Krav Maga. And Kapap, no brain, no, cra- uh, no, no Kapap. <laughs> For us, the brain is the most uh, strong weapon. Because if you depend on kicking my balls, you already lost the fight. Because when I was a kid, I tried to pinch my brother, I tried to poke his eyes, to, to grab his groin. So at the, kid, at the age of four, I knew that those are vital points. But what can you offer more than that? Because I tell you what happened. In a fight, I'm not going to let you kick your groin. Plus, I'm going to try to kick your groin as well. So You know, Avi, that brings me to uh, one of the questions. On a groin kick, sorry? Well, that brings me to one of the questions that I have for you, Avi. What would you say are the biggest mistakes that people make when dealing with larger attackers? I, I think you've kind of touched on a couple of them, but I'd like to uh, highlight them. First, it's like I said now, if you, if you think that you're going to kick somebody groin and it's going down, you never had a street fight in your life, buddy. And I had street fight, I cannot even count them. And that's why I said I'm ready also to fight today. If people want with no rules, with no rules, there's no problem. And I don't do it for uh, ego. I just to shut them up. If anybody wants to prove, I'm, I'm, and uh, that's another rule for me as a trainer for Kapap. Anybody that wants to grapple, to play, to fight, to sparring, I play. I was handicapped. I was after surgery, six hours after, and I still sparring. It's no problem. 
Our goal is really to put people into the reality and uh, to prepare people really to fight with a big object and with the multiple, there's no secret. And if you bash your system about kicking the groin, it's nice. It is true. You can go all day to the gym, all day to the gym, and you cannot make your groin or your eyes stronger. Your hand, your body will be very strong and powerful, but not your groin. But don't base your uh, system about that. Because on the same time that I make my body stronger, trust me, I also study to defense my groin. I never in my life spar, even when I did Thai box, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I never roll or play with a groin protector. My rule is very simple. If I, I missed, I study a lesson. And you see, I'm over 50 years old and I never, uh, I still use my groin, no problem. So <laughs> I think that uh, most of those systems that they based immediately to put groin protectors and uh, immediately to base on kicking to the groin, it's nice, why not, if you get the opportunity. What can you do when you don't get the opportunity? And in the body, there's so many vital points other than the groin and the eyes and the nose. There's so many vital points. And uh, when I work with the Krav Maga people and I start to show them how I can stop them with a finger and biomechanism and, and, and different vital points, they're all in shock. And I think it's, again, uh, a lot of time from misunderstanding. And again, in Israel, by the way, everything is a Krav Maga. Judo is a Krav Maga. Kapap is a Krav Maga. It's all Krav Maga. It means end-to-end. But um, I think, uh, you know, uh, my biggest problem today is also uh, I see people that their old training time is a two months, and they became head instructor. I got people that train with me Kapap for one week, and now I read the open Kapap unions, Kapap associations, Kapap federation, uh, and they try to say there's another organization. Well, okay, I don't say who's, who's real or who's not. I just say that I'm really fed up in the matter of self-defense from politic game. That's why I said let's go to the mat. Solve it by your knockout very fast. And how you're going to really self-defense yourself is first and last, do not be illusion. Take your ego out. Also, when you see a teacher judge him, don't judge other teachers, judge yourself. And I judge myself every day. Every day I'm ready to spar with, from my first student to the last, and when I do seminars or workshops, trust me, I spar with everyone that wants or, or anyone that I love it. I like to play with people. Because uh, that, that way you know if it's work or not. Also for yourself. And uh, in your body there is a lot of uh, vital points. There's a lot of uh, things about the body mechanism, and uh, there's a lot of things about the body um, balance. If the person, no matter how big he is, is not in a balance, he cannot use his force. Jigoro Kano said that assuming you got 10 units of power and I got only 5, but if I can stand you in a position, for example, on one leg, that you cannot use right now your 10 units of force, you can use only four. So right now I'm stronger than you. And, and that's why uh, many times when I look for techniques or moves, I, I look first to see 
is this guy, when he kick, I see a lot of people, they kick, but immediately I can see that guy, when he kick, is not in balance. When he's going to kick a real person, either he's going to break his leg, either he's going to fall down, and I, I tell you, I'm teaching so many years, I saw it in my life, and I, I, I try to fix people's legs and say, uh, my friend, don't walk like this, you're going to break your knee. And the guy, no, I trained with a ninja and like this and like that. And the next, you know, he break his knee just by moving forward and backward without any contact with the object. I, I used to tell people, don't kick like that. Uh, they, they said, no, I, the next day he broke his leg. Uh, martial art is a science. And that's why we call it concept. It's not a concept from, you know, once I start to use the word concept, now a lot of people concept, concept in the Israeli martial art. What it means? In, in any mechanism, there is like, uh, uh, like the action reaction, like the Newton law, that you know, like uh, for any, uh, any, any action that you do, there is a reaction. So if you punch somebody with a five kilo, your fist is also getting five kilo at the edge. So it means if your hand is not built up for that power, you're going to break your hand. And uh, when I see today people... Uh, about their body condition, they are not prepared for a fight. And to illusionary them and tell them there is a magic uh, therapy, it is very, very dangerous. Uh, I think the first thing is to take care for your body. The second is to study uh, a few vital points uh, other than the groan and the eyes. I mean, if, if somebody don't know in my age or over the age of 10, that the groin and the eyes are vital, and I need to tell him, I think he's not properly for kapab because he don't use his brain. I, I think after the age of 10, we all know that the groin is very painful, and so the eyes. But your body is uh, everywhere you have a vital point. Every, in your hand, in your back, in your neck, in, in your head. And that's an art that you have really to study all of those vital points and also to see when they're open and when they're closed. Because every vital point in a few um, forms of the body, you can uh, close them or you can open them. So you have also to study that if it's closed, how to open it. And then you have to study the angle of attack because you can attack, but if you don't attack uh, angling right, um, you're wasting your time, energy, you expose yourself to his attack, plus uh, your attack, other than not be at, uh, effective, it might hurt you. It's like a jack of a car that if you put it in the right location, it has the power to lift a truck. But if you don't put it right, the jack will be break. So you need to study the mechanism of the body. And, and uh, I don't think you need the... Uh, to be honest, I don't think you need uh, uh, 20 years for that, but on the same time, I don't think one day. So there is amount of training that will be prepared the student for a self-defense. You don't need to be a properly martial artist. You don't need to be the best. Now, Avi, you, you mentioned vital points, and I'd like to come back to that. What are some of the universal vulnerable points on the body, even on somebody who's really large, you know, those points that don't change from person to person? Okay. Um, groin and eyes I don't touch, okay, but the temples, the, the sides of the eyes, the bone is very um, easy to be break. Nose, 
mandibula. Under the mandibula, you have like uh, at least like 20 vital points. The throat, uh, the pipe for the throat. Uh, you have the triangle uh, where it's the trachea. And the trachea, if you put a finger, you know where the paramedic make the hole to make you breathing if you got a lung problem. Right. Yeah, the trachea. So over there, if you put a finger, most of people cannot take it and they'll fall. Uh, the philtrum point that I call it the mustache uh, point, it's actually, uh, you can say it's the, the, the nose button in between uh, on the upper mandibula. It's the centrum point. It's uh, where your mustache is, and that's a very, very vital point. Um, of course, your uh, uh, sternum, solar plexus, under your armpit, uh, around your elbows, triceps, uh, around your shin, quad is a vital point to load with, uh, your back is loaded with. But uh, the most simple for people that, for example, just read and they want is, uh, I would say, go to the syndrome point uh, uh, under your nose. And if you hold the finger and you ask your friend to walk, when you uh, block him with your finger in the syndrome point, he will not be able to walk forward. And that, of course, will show you that uh, you don't need the amount of force. A finger can stop a, a person from walking. Of course, in a reality, it will be a punch or an elbow over that point, but um, the Fintrum point is a wonderful uh, point. You see a lot of technique in CQB and hand-to-hand. -hand. Uh, people put like a mask, you know, they, they hold you from the back and they pull your head back or sometimes also from the front. Uh, this is very popular technique from uh, First World War to the Second World War, almost every manual book has the mask, like you put your hand like a mask and cover the eyes and the nose and pull the head back. And actually, it's not the mask, it's again because you're attacking the syndrome point, and the syndrome point uh, uh, causing the axis and the atlas bone to move, and because if you broke the, the atlas and the axis bone will be break because the axis is moving, uh, it's a death. And that's why the body actually giving up. And that's why you don't need really a lot of power to stop a person. Uh, of course, uh, uh, you can hit uh, the arteries uh, on the sides of the neck, the two arteries, and by hitting them, uh, you can uh, block the person. Uh, again, where the axis and the atlas in the back of your uh, head, uh, if you hit it very gently, you can kill or break or or just uh, take the person unconscious. And that's why, for example, in boxing, we're not allowed to punch over there. So actually, when you look for the body, the body is loaded uh, with a vital point. And when you study properly karate or kung fu, and again, I don't say that everyone that put a sign kung fu is better than reality-based. Uh, actually, the all reality-based start because... Uh, it was very illusion in the world of Kung Fu and Ninja and this, and then people start to be master of... Uh, it, it was like a ninja movie instead of be reality. And uh, now it's coming the same thing. It looks like a Rambo movie, <laughs> the reality world. Again, you know, people... 
I, I said the ninja of yesterday became the reality based of today by playing Rumble. But it's not to dress up. It's not to be like yesterday people dress up like ninja and today they dress up like Rumble. Um, I think in the traditional martial art, when you go to Koryu Chinadi, for example, of Hanshi Patrick McCarthy, he explained uh, books and DVDs about uh, vital points, uh, Kyushu points. And again, do not be uh, depend only on the vital points because uh, vital points not always work on any situation. So if you depend only on one weapon, what you do when you don't have that weapon? It's like if you are very good on the ground, but you don't know nothing about impact fighting like Thai box, uh, you better be lucky to go to the ground uh, without your knockout because the guy that fight with you will try to drop you knockout to the floor. But if you have some skills in stand-up, and you, the guy cannot knock you out in stand-up, and then you can take him to the ground, and the guy don't know nothing on the ground, then he stay without weapon. So I say that today, to be a real reality-based uh, fighter, you must have a lot of angles from vital point to grappling to impact fighting, and, of course, to weapon fighting from knife uh, and guns. Avi, I, uh, we, we talked about this and sort of hinted at it, but... We know that being thrown to the ground in an attack is a dangerous place to be, uh, but when facing a bigger attacker, it's even worse because their strength is such an advantage as they wrestle with you. How can I prevent a larger person from taking me to the ground to start with? First, by study ground fighting. Uh, a lot of people, they always excuse their no skills in ground fighting by, I don't want to go to the ground, but I don't want to fight against a knife. So why do I study to fight with a knife or against a knife? I don't want to be attacking the street with a knife. I don't want to be attacking the street with a, with a gun. So the point, if it's good or be, it's not good to be attacked by a knife. It's not good to be attacked by a gun. It's the same not good to be on the ground in a street fight. But it's a circumstance. It's a circumstance that this guy attack you with a knife. This guy is very good grappler, and before you say Jake Robinson, he pull you to the ground. Now, if you don't have any tools on a ground fight, you're in a deep problem. So the first thing, how to do not take you to the ground, is to study ground fighting. That will answer you how fast you can go up from the ground. Because a guy with the skills, let's say uh, my knowledge start from uh, impact. I am very uh, skilled before I went to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with Thai box, karate full contact. So I would love to end the fight on a standing. When I moved to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it was a big shock for me. I stayed on the floor like a turtle on my back. And only by studying Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and understand the grappling, now when you take me to the ground, if I want, I can take it back up. Plus, I can use my impact on the ground. But the only way for me to get up very fast or to prevent you is to understand uh, the takedowns and to understand how to prevent them. So once you know to do takedowns, you know also how to prevent them. But there's no magic box how to do not do it. And there's obviously uh, big guys that they want to take uh, you to the ground and actually uh, put their weight on you 
and rest. When you are fighting with their weight, they're on you, and they can move slow and attacking you. Um, one of my favorite things was when I did uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to take the biggest guys and put them on me. That's the only way that I really studied how to get out of it. And sometimes I have uh, small students and they always complain, but he's bigger than me. You don't need to complain. You just need to fight it. You just need to suffer. You just need to let it go. And then it's uh, actually enjoyable because you can pick on any big guy and he cannot hold you on the ground because you are like a fish. Once he touch you, you are like a fish. You are not there. And um, the big guys also work against him because a small guy can be fast. A big guy, it's very hard for him to be fast. Plus the energy amount that he needs or he burns is different. So I would say that uh, first to anything on the ground, is not to study from somebody that hide behind you don't need to go to the ground. I agree. You don't need to go on the ground. You don't need to fight with a knife, and you don't need to fight at all. But it's a circumstance. And the guy is, no matter what is the situation, because the situations could be so multiple situations, you could sit in a place, and in a moment you're on the floor. You even didn't know that you've been attacked. Uh, the guy attacked you from the back because you did already mistake. You sit with your back to him. So when you find yourself on the floor, how you get up fast, how you are not panic. This it's because you are used to the floor. You are not getting excited for it. Now a lot of UFC fighters, if you see, they are not so good on the floor, but they have the basic skills, and that helps them not to go to the floor. They're coming to study Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu enough to the level of blue or purple belt. And that holds them enough to understand the ground and the clinch and, and, and the takedowns and to prevent you from, from doing it to them. And I think this is a good uh, weapon, but it's not... You know, um, I got a guy from Reality Based one day come to my school, and he was very arrogant. This is not work, nothing work. And... Um, you know, um, I told to the guy, uh, you know, I would love him to teach and everything, but I didn't want him to teach ground. I wanted him to teach other things with guns and things, you know, like a, a law enforcement. But the guy told me, oh, let me teach you the real ground fighting, not like those yo-yo Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I was like, whoops, you know, okay, teach us. And I told my student to bring a clean gi and a black belt, when the guy put the gi and the belt, I knew this guy never had a judo gi on him. This guy never put a belt on him. And I know that guy is going to find himself in a big shock. And my yellow belt, play with him like a kid. And uh, it was so embarrassing. And that's exactly, you cannot come with a one solution or two solution on, on the ground. It's an art for itself. Uh, there's no one solution for a, a knife fight. There's no one solution for a gun. Guns disarming is quite easy compared to knife fighting and definitely for hand-to-hand -hand or, or grappling. But, but I see it every day. I see people that, uh, that they're living, uh, I'm telling you, they're living in an ego world, uh, study from people that have no idea even what they teach. Because... Um, it's like one day, you know, I had a bodyguard company, and one of my VIP 
we're sitting in a coffee and he look about one of the bodyguards of another person and he says, I swear God, that, that guy need a bodyguard himself. I mean, the bodyguard need a bodyguard. And when I look about a lot of self-defense uh, instructor, trust me, they need a bodyguard. I remember um, in the Hall of Fame, uh, we're coming back from Hall of Fame, and one of the instructor, uh, the Hall the of Fame year of uh, best self-defense or, or something like this, and he asked me to host him to the hotel because he's afraid to walk by himself. So a lot of marketing, a lot of talking, but I tell you the bottom line, um, I think there's a lot of selling into this whole world of uh, let me teach you two moves and you can success. Uh, and, and I'm not against it. I think that in a workshop and in a lot of those uh, training, it's very important too because a lot of people from my background and my experience saved their life. Even, you know, they were not my students forever. I know that uh, I meet in my career, I can say more than, I, I cannot even say how many, more than 50 people that told me that they had situation with uh, gun disarming or knife fighting or hand-to-hand, -hand, and they survived it. And more than survived, the success very nice. And... Um, He's telling me that, uh, honestly, there's nothing wrong about, uh, for example, um, study like what you're doing now. Uh, try to educate people by reading, by DVDs, going into webinar like you guys doing, and, and see ideas from this guy, from that guy, and, and pick a knowledge. There's nothing wrong about this. And that's why I'm also trying not to uh, – I, I think it's a great idea, but I'm trying also to put things in a proportion – But I'm also trying to say, yes, it's a good idea how to prevent him from taking you to the ground uh, by many ways. First, if you stiff your body, I can lift you up, for example. But if you do what we call uh, a deadlift, uh, do, do you know what is a deadlift, like in wrestling? Right. Yes, if you go all limp and make him lift yeah, you up. Yeah, exactly. And then it's very hard to, to, to lift you up. So, But you need to train, you know, from moving your position from like a water position, you know, that you are like a big water bag that nobody can pick you up, but when you're stiff, they can. So sometimes when we teach, for example, women's self-defense, we teach them how to move from, because you need to know to move from stiffing your body to relax it, to stiffing, to relax it by the demand. Because, you know, when he try to lift you up, you want to, Uh, to, to water it, to, to make it like loose. But when you, uh, some, from time to time, you need to break to stiff it. Adi, uh, I'd like to get into some more technique stuff if I could. Um, okay. Let's say I am trapped beneath a larger opponent. What are some basic methods I can use to get him off me, especially if I'm not as familiar with ground fighting as I should be? I would say the best thing for you to attack is always... Um, to take the principle of up and down. The principle of up and down, you will attack him up, that way you will concentrate up, and on the same time you'll attack down. So it means, for example, you can kick his shin, and on the same time, uh, once you finish to kick the shin, immediately you try to hit the face. Uh, open hand, no punches, open hand. Sometimes uh, you make your hand like uh, open, like, you know, Uh, we call it a C-choke, but uh, I don't want to be rude with uh, the, the, 
the audience, but you know we call it the beach choke. You know when when your hand is like and you know like you you just open your hand like an eagle, like a claw. Do you understand what I said? Like an eagle, yeah. like a claw, and then you grab him on the neck. So it's not only to grab; it's like to 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 hit. Uh, so you make your hand like a claw, and you hit him to the neck, to the pipe area, and then you close it when you try to trap the the. The, the pipe, and by hitting him up and down, up, for example, on the shin, like uh, the mid of the shin, if you kick it, there is a lot of vital points, so if you kick the shin with your shoe in the middle, and on the same time you push him simultaneously with your hand from the throat, and if he try to clinch, you have to push him from the shoulder far, uh, trap his jaw, and try to rotate his head so he will uh, rotate around. He cannot uh, really clinch you. Another thing, hit him all power on the back of the head uh, where uh, the axis and the atlas bones. That will make him uh, lose conscious. But remember that this is a very deadly we- uh, force over there because uh, if you really hit too strong, you might also causing... Uh, uh, too far damage, and you might even kill. Uh, I never see anybody dead from that, but I know in the history of boxing, when people really got hit on that part uh, strong, it caused death. But I use that point a lot, and I smack people on the back of the head. You know when the barber uh, shave your head in the back? I, I just slept over that area, and people just losing <laughs> conscious. Uh, I slapped the face, I slapped the neck, uh, the two sides of the temples, eyes to give him like an eye job, but very quick to sweep uh, my fingers on the eyes so they close that push. And uh, basically arching my body, that my back is uh, back, my legs stay in the front and my hand push. So, you know, uh, prevent him from clinching to my hip. Um uh, the guy that clinch, you want your hip, your your hip or your knees. Once you get your hip or your knees, so that's why you try like to sprawl to do not let him do it. And on the same time, if you try to get your upper body like shoulders, you start with the knees and uh, um, kicking his legs like different kicks, any kicks that you know from low kick or just uh, I would say even a stupid kick to the shin, just again and again and again and at the same time keep slapping the face, uh, pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, you see, to the guy to take you to the front, uh, to the floor, he needs to create um, uh, uh, a catch. He needs a grip. And uh, the first thing in judo that we fight for is the clinch, is the grip. Once the guy put a good grip on your clothes, he will throw you. So the first thing you need to do if you don't want to be thrown or to take to the ground, don't let him make this contact by slapping his face, kicking him, pushing him. And do not, if he catch you with one hand, try to tear it out from from your clothes. You know, like uh, always don't let him put his hand because once his hand is around you, he can throw you, he can take you down. Without uh, a contact, he cannot take you uh, down. You know, he needs to grip you to take you down. Uh, Sometimes when I teach uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I teach for women, the first thing is how to lose the grip. You know, I always uh, work, if the guy grabs your sleeve, how you break that grip. If you get uh, your your clothes, 
how you break his grip. And uh, for example, uh, to do not to 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 study how to do not go to the ground is first to study how to break a grip. And once you start to study, if I cannot grip you, I cannot take you to the ground. Very simple. And in between, you always uh, impact on me, slapping my face, slapping my legs. So I'm 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 blind from your eye job uh, hitting. You try to smack my ears like uh, slaps and. Um, and on the same time, prevent him from hooking you or from gripping you. Uh, because once a grappler will hook to you or, or uh, get a good grip on you and you didn't break the grip, it will take you to the ground. Avi, uh, along those lines, a lot of people will talk about using weapons to work their way out of when someone is on top of them. I know there are entire seminars devoted to this. I've attended one, actually, that was about using folding knives to cut your way out of a grappling scenario. Do you recommend the carry of any personal weapons, guns, knives, something else, uh, for use with dealing with larger opponents? Um, You know, me personally, I don't carry anything because for me... If I need a gun or a knife, I take it from from my enemy. I take it from you. That's my theory. If I am, you know, I travel to a lot of dangerous countries, and many times I want to carry different, you know, like Cobertan or or a knife. And then I think, if I am in a distance that I can hold a Cobertan, I can punch you. So, you know, I don't need a Cobertan. If I am in the distance, I can stab you. Come on, I can punch you again. So I don't want those weapons because for me, it means more problem for me. That's not the the issue when it comes to normal people's self-defense. And, uh, for example, like to a lot of friends of mine, I recommend uh, there is a Israeli product that it's like a Kobotan, but in my opinion, it's the best Kobotan i ever seen. And I've seen a lot, uh, or, or many, most that I think in the market. Uh, the Kobutan actually uh, was made by a guy that is a Kung Fu teacher, and they use a lot of phoenix punch. You know, a phoenix punch is like uh, you're using the knuckle of your thumb or your finger, so you, you put a lot of force on a very small um, uh, surface, so it can get to a few ton of power when, when it hits. And uh, this guy had a student that when she, when she walked on the street, somebody asked her the, the time. And when she looked to the, uh, to the watch to see the time, she actually lost the awareness and the contact from the situation by her eyes. And then he jumped on her, grabbed her hand, and he tried to take her to the corner and to rape. And uh, when he dragged her to some place, she started, uh, at the beginning, she think he had a knife. And then... She understand that she need to fight, and she start to use the knuckles to dig inside these cavities, you know, in between the ribs and different parts of the body, and, and pinching the skin, you know, like uh, uh, around our belly, you know, we have like uh, I call it the donuts, you know, on the sides of the belly, mm-hmm. where you have the six pack, or when we used to have the six pack on the side, we have like a two big donuts. So Some of us just, have bigger donuts than others. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still training, but I, you know, normally. And uh, my friend actually, that is uh, Sifu Sapir Tal, in Israel, he came up with a genius uh, Kobotan that when he gave me this as a present, 
because of my attitude, ah, I don't need it. Because it's true, I, I will never walk with a weapon. Only when I was in the service, I carry guns. Today, I don't carry guns. That's why we have the police. I don't carry guns. It can only put me to a problem. Because, uh, I don't know. I, I, but I am a very well uh, protected. At least I believe I am. You know, I have very good confidence about my skills. But I, it's not the ego. I prefer not to have a weapon, but it don't mean that uh, I don't have knives or guns or, or, or uh, sticks in my house. I just said, basically, I don't carry. And secondary, you know, I cannot take them to Mexico with me or to Guatemala or whenever I go. So that's why for me, it's not the issue to walk so much with weapon. Maybe for people that live in the U.S., yes. Why not? You know, if you live on uh, on a place in the U.S., why not? You can carry a knife or a gun. That's a good idea. But Sapir um, uh, Talcum is an instrument. It's called Spy Key. It's a S-P-I-Y and a key, you know. So Spy Key. And the Spy Key is actually uh, a special cobotan that uh, it's for restraint and control. It cannot kill. And when I start to really judge this, I start to teach a lot of uh, workshops for that uh, instrument because it's a really great tool for normal people for self-defense. And, for example, another friend of mine, I will not mention uh, the name because I'm against it. He created a knife that you can pinch with a knife. And for me, that's a mistake. If you carry a knife, you should use it as a knife. You should not use your knife as a self-defense, I don't know, to pinching me or to pinch my skin or my thumb or, or to do arm locks on me like small circle jiu-jitsu, you know, all of those like china uh, fingers locks. Because I tell you the truth, if you have a knife in your hand, folder or not, and I'm a police officer, right now when you pull your knife out and it's in your hand, folding or not, you just carry the knife and you're attacking me with a knife. You, you understand? It's a mistake. So if you yeah. decide to take your knife out of your pocket, open it and defend yourself like a knife. Don't use the knife, I don't know, as a nunchal. The knife, if you carry it, use it as a knife. If you want to restrain and control, don't use a knife. Use a tool like a kobutan or just a, a normal key from your car key that you can do the same thing, pinching and this, or, or uh, Kobotan or all of those tools. Because if I'm a police officer and I catch you in a fight with this kind of a tool, I cannot blame you for using a knife. But if you use a knife in any way, no matter if it's fold and you just pinched me on the report and when I take you to the court, you just use a knife on my on the other personnel. So I don't like even one of my friends, he create a knife and that knife has a lot of notch to, to pinching. I, do, I disagree. A knife should be used as a knife and if you want to pinching, use a kobutan, use a, a, a spiky because then it's a really restraining control tool. It's not a deadly tool. With a knife, it's a deadly tool. So watch out. Don't don't be hurry up to take it just to to pinch the guy. You take it only in the last scenario when there's a, a little force and and a need of a use of little force. So you cannot take it 
you know, we call it uh, PPCT, Pressure Point Compliant Tactic in the police. And uh, Pressure Point Compliant Tactic is one of the first approach. When I have a suspect, I try to, you know, lock his finger, uh, very, very gentle, you know, like pinching him, use some vital point to to um, make him, uh, you know, um, agree to what I say. I say, don't move, give me your hand. So that's why it's a restraint and control. So as long as I'm in this use of force, of restraint and control, I'll keep on that. But once I take a, a, a knife or a gun from my pocket, I'm going to use it only as a knife, only as a gun. I'm not going to pinch you and using PPCT on you, pressure point compliant. I'm not trying to compliant you to do something when I have a knife. If I decide to take a knife out of my pocket, I'm already in a deadly force. And people forget it, that there is also the post-conflict, and you will need to go and face a court. And all of those uh, instructor macho that tell you I'll be better to be judged by 12 than by carry by 6, it's people, again, with not one time a fight in the street. Not one time a fight in the street. I hear every day those ego sentences. I tell you, uh, when a fight comes, if you don't prepare also educationally how to think, how to evaluate, how to move from one situation to another, how to move, for example, from uh, use of force of pressure point compliant tactic, okay, I'm taking my baton and I start to hit, or I'm elbow your face and punching you all the way to the... And then it didn't work. I take my baton. It don't work. Okay. I take the taser or, or the pepper spray. It don't work. I pull my gun. So I'm not going to pinch you with my gun. I'm not going to pinch you with my knife. And uh, that's why, again, for a self-defense, a knife is a great tool. Don't take it out to pinching. Don't take it to do pressure point. But it's a great tool if really, yes, a big guy take you to the ground. Don't think twice. Take your knife out and start to fight and try to always make a justification for that. For example, if I'm a grappler and I'm choking you, you have the right to shoot me or to stab me. Because, for example, by most of police stations, choking considered deadly force. Because if I choke you, I can, call, I, I can kill you. If I choke you and you pass out, there's no tapping. It's a street fight. So if you're choking me, I will pull my gun and shoot you. I will pull my knife and stab you immediately because you're performing deadly force on me. And that's why, again, when people want to, to uh, I, I would say is when people also want to talk about self-defense, it's not only the expertise of I'm a ninja master. It's also to to make sure that everything will be going also legally. We live in America. We're not living in some kind of a third world country. And everything will be need to be judged in a court at the end of the day. And uh, I'm not saying that uh, when you will attack me, I think about the court. But all my education, when I teach people, I teach them how to build up the circumstance from one to another to one to another, that it will be for them very naturally that they will not find themselves, uh, I'm trying to pinch you and I take my knife out because I'm trying to apply for you pressure point compliant tactic and push you on a pressure point with my knife and it's closed. But what you see, you see a knife. If, you see, if I see a knife in your hand, why do you think I will, uh, I will assuming that you're going to pinching me and doing PPCT? If you take a knife and I have a gun and, and that fight, I might pull my gun on you. I might pull my knife on you. 
And then I'll say, the guy pulled a knife. And you will say, no, I just wanted to pinch him. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Absolutely. I'd like to get into training drills for a minute, Avi. Could you possibly share with us a couple of training drills that our listeners could do that would help them with bigger and stronger opponents? Yes. I think uh, one one of the things, if uh, you look for Wing Chun, and, and again, I'm not saying that Wing Chun is a good system, as I don't say that Wing Chun is a bad system, but if you look for the logic of Wing Chun, the guy uh, delivers his weight balance on one of the legs. When the other leg is a little bit free, that way he can kick down to the shin area and use the hands to push and to hit or, or to block. So if you look for the uh, Wing Chun dummy, that's what they do. And of course, they do more flow and more smooth and everything. But you don't need, just you can stand uh, in front of a bag and train yourself to kick with your one leg, to kick very, uh, I would say, uh, more like a Wing Chun kick when uh, it's like a side kick but from the inside part and uh, on the same time to smack with your hands. So like your hands going forward like two smacks, like a Wing Chun, and then, you know, your legs kicking the down part and, and pushing and, and escape back and pushing and escape back. And I would say, the, for example, that drill will be based about Wing Chun, and my problem with Wing Chun, because I said that every system has a good or bad thing, is that the Wing Chun, they stand on the same place. They don't move the legs. I would take the same idea of the dummy, kick, hit, and then <laughs> step uh, backward. It could be that a uh, Wing Chun master will tell me, no, that, that's what we do. It could be. I don't know. I'd never studied Wing Chun. But, for example, uh, when I look for Wing Chun for a close quarter, it's a perfect mostly to do not let a guy come close to you because uh, their hands are very fast on the center of body. They are not uh, trying to hit you from the side like hooks, their hands are really just straightforward like a straight punch and it's very quick. It's give you the longest uh, distance that you can approach target. And I said that if you take that drill to stand on one leg, kick down and push with your two hand uh, like a left and uh, left and right, but not like a boxing, just like a straight punching, like straight and straight. And again, kick and straight and straight, kick and straight and straight and reverse escape back. Do it for as many as you can on a bag, and then you have to start to do the same thing when you start to escape 45. So you kick, you escape 45, and you hit with your hand. Uh, uh, and if you look again for people that work on a wood dummy, you'll see that they're always attacking from the side, from 45. They're not attacking face-to-face. -face. They... they moving from the center of body and attacking from the side. So all of those drills are drills that you can, for example, use a bag, and you don't need to study Wing Chun for that because you don't need all the uh, sensitivity drills that will take you years to study. And you just take the, the idea of um, move 45 to the side, kick down, and two hits up. And again, kick down, and then you can switch. Uh, two hits up, and then you kick from down. So it's, again, the principle of up and down. Uh, use only uh, open hands when you hit with your palm. Try 
do not punch unless you're a professional and even professional boxer, Thai boxer, uh, Kyokushin, full contact. Uh, when it comes to a real fight, and even in a fights on the ring, we're breaking the arm, uh, the hands, the fist from the punch. So for me, punching is uh, the minimum in the street. I must use a slap. So that's, for example, one drill to push object away from you, not to let you come. The second, uh, it's like um, you not jump, but two hands, and you're pushing the guy like... Uh, from a shoulder and from the center of his body. It could be the throat or the face. So your your hands look like a little bit like an arrow, like a spear, like an arrow. And one, it could be also a block, is more in his uh, shoulder area, and the elbow can block his, uh, his punch from getting inside. So one of your hands, let's say left, is on his right uh, shoulder, and your right hand is uh, hitting to his face, and you jump back, and you jump back. So every time you hit with two punches, one to the shoulder, one to the face, and you jump back, and then you lose a kick, uh, you, you free a kick also to uh, shin or knee, um, I would say height. And again, you push with two hands, one to the face, one to the shoulder, and you jump back on the same time, and you try again to kick uh, knee or shin for the person. Um, these are very basic drills. Uh, drills uh, for shield are drills that, for example, like uh, you take one person and you need to study. Again, I will give a simple drill because uh, it's very difficult to explain drill on the phone. Or, but uh, let's say that the guy attacking you with the right hand to your stomach. Uh, let's say methodically, just for the drill, you give him a knife just to, so he's going like to stab you to the stomach area uh, with the right hand. You defend with your right hand with a move that is very similar to Gedan Barai to deliver his knife with your right hand. So it's his right hand and your right hand defense, um, similar like to karate, uh, get Barai, but no need the all get Barai, you know, like uh, karate people do with uh, all power and all. Just easily to take the hand to the side. Uh, again, open hand, not with the fist like in get Barai. So it's a get Barai with uh, your hand is more like a knife uh, open, like a... Uh, and, and then uh, uh, you uh, glue your uh, uh, forearm to his forearm, and he needs to keep trying to push to your stomach. When you start actually to use his force and to measure it and actually to develop sensitivity and always to escape to his side. So actually he became the, the center of the circle when you always uh, move in the circles around him. And this is to teach actually the engagement. So the engagement of your hand to his hand once he stabbed. Of course, he can break the engagement or he can deliver the knife for the other hand, but we try to keep first this drill. So he's trying to stab you, you block with your right hand, and you stay glued to his hand, and he keeps trying to stab you when you like a spring. You need to know when you have to go a little bit more back, a little bit more forward, and then like that spring, you hook to his hand, 
and then you try to hook to either his hip or either his shoulder, uh, the opposite of the right hand. So if if it's on the right hand, you have to hold his uh, right shoulder, uh, sorry, left shoulder or left hip. And now that will prevent him the opportunity to turn to you. Um, so now you can keep him and start to control his move when you let another object to attack on the same time with a knife. And again, it's not a fight, it's a drill. Drill is not a fight. Drill is only to get better with your moves and to understand them. So now you will have to use him as a shield by moving and to start to study how to move and actually to buffer using as a shield him against the new object. And then, you know, you can put more than one or two objects. So sometimes you do five attacker when you have to glue to one and how to deliver him once you control his upper T and down T by different games. And then you study actually uh, to use uh, the object as a shield for you and to, uh, by that, you cannot get attacked by five people or four people or two people. You actually attack by one and you need to clinch to him in certain ways that only he is the guy that really danger for you and also you're using him as the shield against the others. So it's a game and actually by different games you're getting better, and then you glue uh, more and more games into it, and then you play um, uh, more realistic, but just make it more free. Uh, at the beginning, you cannot uh, make it just a free fight, because uh, you come to a class and I say, okay, fight with Avi. You didn't study nothing. So uh, as a teacher, we have to give you a few tools before we let you go into the free fight. In In my opinion... That's the mistake today with a lot of uh, martial arts study. They break the triangle of study or the triangle of teaching. If you build up a triangle, and the top will be fight. So in the bottom you will have, uh, in the one side, the technique. In the other, you will have the drill. Hello? Hello, Bob? I'm still here. <laughs> sorry, having a technical oh, okay, sorry. With the equipment. So I said, uh, if you look for the triangle, the top of the triangle will be a fight. In the fight, you will have sparring, free sparring, contact sparring, uh, sometimes going to competition, tournaments, um, including street fights, it could be. But uh, down, the basic for the triangle will be drill and a technique. So you cannot just put the guy in the first day on the on the fight. You have to teach him technique and another technique, and then you take two or three technique and you drill them. And then you take another two or three and you drill with the drill of yesterday. And then you hook all the drills together. So by studying technique and drills, you actually start to study how to fight. The problem with a lot of time, um, you know, today with uh, too fast uh, food, uh, we try to fight without we having any technique or any drills. So you just fight, and the strong guy wins, because uh, you don't study nothing. So that's why um, it will cause a lot of injury. And in Kapap, we believe that slow is fast. And that's why we give the time, and we teach you one game, and then another game, and then another. It's like when you look for a... a a basketball team. So 
they will, uh, for example, study a technique, how to throw the ball to the, you know, to, to the goal. They will uh, study technique, how to jump the ball. They will study a technique, how to deliver the ball from me to you. And now we will hook all the drills together. I'll jump the ball, I deliver it to you, and then we we'll throw it to the goal. So uh, that's how you start to build up. And, and, and that's why it's a game. It's a big game, and that game will teach you to fight. If you start just to fight, maybe you can do it, but only one from a million. It's like Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix was a tremendous uh, guitar player, never studied. If I was a guitar teacher, I would say that anything he do, it's wrong. From the way and the position he holds the guitar, uh, the strings are upside down, he don't hold it properly, he don't do... Because he never studied with a classical teacher, but he was a great talent. <coughs> Sorry. But uh, most of us were not tremendous talent, so we need a system, and a systematic way that at the end of the day, we study something. So... Some people, they're tremendous talent. They they can get uh, to a lot of things just because they're really talent. But when you want to teach people, you have to build it, build it as a method, as a, as a systematic, that you can take anybody and build him up, including Jimi Hendrix. And I think that if Jimi Hendrix, by the way, got a good uh, teacher from the beginning, he maybe will go more far, but... It's a seminar martial arts. Sometimes people show me about the guy, and I say, yeah, he's a good fighter. He's a good fighter. But uh, it don't mean that he will be a good teacher. And, and again, it's a talent. And, and talent is something that that guy has this talent. You cannot take it from him. But I think that in Kapap, what I see is that we got the talent to teach. And that's why we say it's not the size of your stone, it's what you build up with your stone. And uh, I think that uh, that word uh, been saying by Tim Bollett, you know, I tried to explain, and it, then he said to me, it's not the size of your stone, it's what you build up with them. And that's exactly what is Kapap about. We, we try to build up people. Our concept tomorrow, we will be stronger. And uh, people that want today to be stronger, they're already missing the point because uh, you need to give it the time. And slow is fast. And when you want too much and you want to fight today, one of us is going to injury and tomorrow there is no training because uh, one of us is not coming. So I think that uh, one of the main things is uh, to go really slowly. I think that YouTube is a great tool. Uh, I think that your web is a great tool when people can go online and uh, watch DVDs. And then... Uh, what I'm trying to do, actually, and I'm sure that the other teachers as well, um, I'm trying actually to to explain what we teach, how to study, and uh, that's why I'm I'm more talking because how can you teach people to swim by the phone, you know? So I try to give the advice to explain what to looking for, um, not to forget, for example, the breathing. Breathing is a very important thing as well. So. Um, I hope that, you know, I, I, I got people some advices uh, tonight, you know. I, I, I'm sorry I cannot demo or explain in a better way. It's very difficult, uh, you know, explain on, on a phone vital points and, 
you know, without seat. It's like, uh, but you know, I tell you something. Uh, two days ago, I was in uh, RIT University in our judo club, and uh, I'm teaching with my friend, and a big part of the class, they're deaf. And last year, we didn't have so many deaf, so we didn't have interpreter. We just had a normal class. This year, everything must be translated to a deaf language. But it was funny because I tell my friend, you know, James, they're all deaf, but they're listening. And uh, sometimes, you know, as a teacher, we try to say something, but the students are not listening. So that's why it was very funny to me to say to him, you know, they're deaf, but they're listening. And he told me one of the students, not only that uh, she's deaf, she's uh, uh, like 90% blind, but she understands the best. Because uh, she will ask, you will show, she will feel, and that's it, she will know. And uh, it's a big part also in martial arts is uh, to listen. Uh, in Chinese martial arts, they say, that uh, you really study your martial art by taking tea with your teacher. A lot of time in a martial art we think that uh, if I teach you to kick like that or to punch like that, that's all about martial art. Mostly when you see those uh, MMA, it's all about muscling up, muscling up. But like I said, it's uh, in Kapap, it's the brain. That's why it's very important to read, to see videos, to see manual books, to judge, to explore to ask questions, and uh, martial art is a craft, and uh, any craft you cannot teach, you can only study. That's why uh, a student that asked me to teach, you already failed. I cannot teach you, you can only study. So if the student comes with the attitude to study, he will know. That's why Jimi Hendrix, he came with the attitude of study. It's no matter, you know, and, and for example, some people, they go every day to a teacher, and they never became a guitar player. So they study the, 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 the notes, and they study guitar, and they're the best guitar, their parents bought them, but they never made it. Because uh, a part of the talent is to want. A part of the talent is to listen. And that's why um, it's great that you do this uh, interview, I think, because it gives us the, the teachers. I know it's now my turn, but... I know you're working with so many different great teachers, so I think it's great because it gives uh, the students a big opportunity to listen. It's like a lecture, and and uh, a lot of the study is by yourself. I I study Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I still study Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Many times I look in YouTube, I listen what teachers say, and it's not only about the move. It's about the approach. It's about... Uh, how to look about things, it's about uh, uh, quotes. Uh, Professor Carlos Machado came up with a book. There's no one move in the book. It's all different quotes of uh, Professor Machado. And uh, it's, it's a great quote also for life, and that's martial art. Martial art is life. Self-defense is a life, is to keep your life for longer. Somebody tried to make them shorter, is to keep your life longer. So, if you, you know, it's like uh, understand uh, what is a self-defense. Self-defense is sometimes to escape from the fight. Self-defense is sometimes to avoid the fight. Not always you can. But uh, you need to be smart to know when to give up. And you need to know to smart 
how to give up. You need to know how to manipulate your object. You know, um, maybe you're a big guy. You lock me in a spot. And I know here I cannot fight. So I tell you, you know what? I don't want to fight here. This bar is loaded with people. Let's go out. I have no problem. And then, you know, once I go out, I'm the first in the door and you don't see me because I have very good shoes and I'm run fast. And uh, running is the best uh, self-defense. And, uh, yeah, the guy will call me names and call me coward, but I prefer to be called coward than... Uh, you know, to 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 check if I if I can uh, prevent the guy to take me to the ground. So self-defense is uh, is also philosophy, is also uh, technique, and a lot of time people depend only on the technique, and that's also a mistake. And a lot of time people depend only on the theory, and that's also a mistake. Uh, to do everything together, it's difficult. But I think that uh, at the same that uh, there's a lot of not good teachers. I think the market is loaded also with great teachers. And uh, I think uh, students today have more opportunities and good opportunities, not like before when I was a student. Uh, of course, today I'm also a student, but it's a different. I'm, I'm more like a teacher and, you know, sometimes also a student. Um, I think that uh, today, thanks to webs like your web, that uh, you interview people, you're writing, uh, students can approach things that I could not. I could not read uh, what Funakoshi wrote about karate or what Jigoro Kano wrote about judo because it's in Japanese. And today, everything is available for the students. And uh, I think that uh, uh, it's given uh, opportunities to students to be a way much better than uh, my generation, but they need to want, you know, they need to want to listen, they need to want to to, to do it. And uh, Are there uh, any tips you can give us for making our training more realistic and effective in general? Again, please repeat the question. Uh, can you give us any tips for making all of our training more realistic and effective in general? Yes, the first thing, the training must be safe. That will make it very, very realistic, not to injure yourself on, on a training. Um, a lot of time uh, lately I see people training with, uh, for example, like uh, there's a lot of using like a red man suit and different kind of a gear, uh, assuming that people under stress, they don't feel really the heat and, uh, you know, when they assault you, so uh, they're giving a guy uh, all defending himself, you know, in a big uh, red man suit to run after you and attack you. And when you punch, you keep going, coming. Uh, that way, you know, um, you feel the stress that you punch and it don't work, and you kick and it don't work, and the guy's still assaulting you. So all of those, uh, they're great tools and again I want to use the word tools because then people take the tools and uh, they make them as the main training and uh, many times for example like the guy has a real big helmet that you can punch and elbow and the guy steal on you but in reality when you elbow the guy in the jaw he go down and uh, again I don't say that in any situation I had fights with people that uh, look like uh, being loaded with a cocaine 
and it was the same. The guy, you elbow him in the face, the guy falls to the floor, and you think that's it, he's going to sleep. He get up from the floor and he attack again. So all of those uh, training, they're really interesting. They're really good. Uh, there's a lot of new trainers. There's a lot of old trainers. Uh, uh, try different trainers. Try different methods. Try different uh, things that will keep you realistic and really save your life. Uh, stay out of ego. Stay out of ego sentence like... Uh, train as you fight. There's no possibility that you train as you fight. If you train as you fight, somebody needs to get injury. So all of those ego sentences will be, for me, out of that system. All those macho, devastating, uh, a guy that teach you to, to shoot and is like, uh, give him some bullets. Uh, again, it's an ego. It's not fun to kill people. It's not fun to shoot people. And that's why... Uh, for me, everything starts educationally, and if the teacher is an ego and his education is bad, I will stay away from. That will keep your training uh, realistic. Another thing, uh, training must be fun, uh, sense of humor. Uh, you need to be satisfied at the end of the the, the training, and on the same time, it needs to be a teacher. Uh, it's not a customer service, it's a teacher. If you really want uh, to understand martial art, you need a teacher. You don't need to a Walmart. You don't need to go to Walmart and you have customer service and one eight hundred number, and no problem. Uh, if you pay me another five thousand, you'd be a black belt. Uh, the black belt will not defend you in a in a street fight. The black belt will not save your life. It's either you know that you have it, either you know that you can do it, or you illusionary yourself. I had a lot of situation with people, you know, I go to parties in the U.S. and sometimes people ask me, oh, why you have to go? I say, oh, no, I have to fly tomorrow. I have to, to work. Where are you flying? Oh, no, I'm teaching workshop. Uh, what workshop? I oh, know martial art. Oh, yeah, I'm a martial artist. I have a black belt in Taekwondo. And immediately I will look to the guy's face and say, you know what? Let's go to the balcony spar. And immediately the guy starts to apologize. No, you know, yeah, I know I'm not a black belt, you know, but this is America, you know, and I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not a black belt like you. What do you mean in that word? Who, I mean, why why a person need to tell you that he's a black belt and then to apologize that he knows that he's not? You're not lying to anybody other than to yourself. I was in lunch and the guy, uh, you know, same thing, oh, you're a martial artist. My kid is a great martial artist. Look, all his room is full with certificates from master, whatever, and uh, student of the one hour, student of the the day, student of the month, of the week. It's a nonsense. It's illusion. And the the boy have a, a double chin, overweight, and why the teacher also lied to him? And, and you know, he's training for like uh, six months, one year, and he's a black belt. And I see ton of those kind of illusionary people. And the parents know that it's not right, and the people know that it's not right. One one guy is a lawyer, and when I tell him, let's go to your balcony and spar. Oh, no, no, you will defeat me. I'm not a real black belt. You see, that's wrong. If you, 
If you meet somebody from Tabox, Judo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and you say, oh, I'm a black belt in Judo too. Oh, really? Cool. Let's go to your balcony. Let's play. Let's spar. Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's have fun. But you see, the guy, uh, he know that he wanted for his ego to say that he's a black belt. That will not save your life. It's, it's, uh, it's better to know. And uh, I met people that they just train, and they will joke. They say, well, I never went to the belts, but, you know, I train all my life. That's good. That's good. People that did boxing, Thai boxing, in their basement, they have uh, a bag, and they hit the bag every day. That's perfect. That, that will save your life. I would say stay out of illusion, stay out of uh, ranks, stay out of certificates. Of course, uh, yes, I know I do a lot of workshop and always people ask me if there will be a T-shirt, a cap, and, uh, and, and a certificate. Yes, I understand. It's a part of the game. We all wanted some kind of a reward maybe. But self-defense, you just need to train him. Find a good teacher. The teacher can teach anything, by the way, but you need to be a teacher, not, not a Walmart, not a customer service. The guy needs to be a teacher. And uh, what is a teacher is not there for your money. If you don't like you, it throw you out of the school. I know that in America it sounds very rude, or but anybody that study with a real Japanese or Chinese teacher, uh, my friend Sapital that I mentioned, he study with a Chinese teacher. The teacher don't get any student, and when you don't like the student, you tell him to leave the school. And I study in the same theory when you have to prove yourself to become a student. Here, in a lot of schools, you just need to come and pay money. I tell you what, people like that, I don't, uh, I don't want to see them fighting in the street. I'm sure that they will be sold. Uh, many times when I had fights, people told me, oh, this guy did the tab box or this. I even don't care. I know exactly uh, who been my teacher. So I'm not worried from who else I'm going to fight. I don't care what you know. I know what I know, and I care what I know. And I think that this, again, it's a confidence that I know I studied with a teacher. I know that I didn't pay for it. And uh, you pay with blood, tears, and sweat. And then you're prepared for uh, any fight. But the real fight is with the real life. I know a lot of great martial artists that suicide because they could not deal with a little bit obstacles of life. So what? They've been a great fighter as long as it's come to the ring or whatever or even in a street fight. But once you lose your job, once life gets hard on you, that's also real life. That's also self-defense. Self-defense is also how you drive. Self-defense is also you, you drive in a snow area to drive with a blanket. So if there is a snowstorm, you're not going to freeze for death on the road. Self-defense is a lot of subject, and that's why in Kapab, for example, we teach uh, subjects like survival, because in survival you have to deal with different situations, and, and you have to appreciate a glass of water, a glass of coffee, and uh, that's also part of self-defense, is to appreciate things. And that's why um, I would say um, find a teacher don't fight the system. Uh, in every system, there's good teachers and there's a lot of bad teachers. Uh, but once you find a teacher, no matter what you teach, you can teach you karate or judo, 
or, or call it self-defense, uh, Kali, Eskrima, no matter the name of the system, it's more who teach the system. And uh, I see it even in Kapap. People think, oh, so Kapap is a better system. No. Even in Kapap, even my own organization, I'm not satisfied from all my teachers under me. Yeah, there is also the business part. We we need people under us. We are a big organization. You cannot always monitor the best everyone. Here and there you monitor. Uh, in the last 10 years I'm teaching, I took 75% of my students of my school and so the instructors. I don't want them. And uh, people tell me, how much you want for coming to, I don't want nothing. I want the uh, students, and uh, one of the rules in Kapap, if people want to join, they first have to understand that they're coming as a student. And uh, I appreciate teachers like this. I don't like teachers that uh, pay me, and now you get whatever you want. Um, I don't think this will prepare you for uh, reality. And I think that uh, students that work, and he, he got the results because he got it. It's like in university. You have to go, you have to do tests, you have to pass the test. Same in a martial art. If you pass the test, you're good, and nobody can take it away from you. Um, I had a situation where somebody did call me and said that my certificate is a fraud. I called to the teacher that signed the certificate, and he started to laugh. And uh, why did I call it a fraud? Because uh, my name was upside down instead of uh, from right to left like and there's no one rule how to write certificates and the teacher that wrote me the certificate he says something really says it's no matter I can write to you a certificate of a toilet paper this is to certify that this is my student and he's the first done or second or whatever it's more important who sign on your certificate that's why I have a full confidence because all my certificates or every black belt that I got, I know how much I work for it. I know how much I sweat for it. I bleed for it. I cry for it. And when the day comes, I knew that also the day comes because you can feel it. You, you can feel it uh, by yourself. You don't need uh, that nobody will do to you a favor. You're just there. You are in the level. So... When I got my uh, diving license, my teacher says, now you're James Bond. You got license to kill. And then he, he, he keep going and he said to keep yourself. And it's true. If you don't dive properly and you do safety problems, you, you might kill yourself under the water. So it's not important that you have the diving license. If you don't have the ability to dive safe and take yourself under the water and outside the water safe, then all the certificate in the world will not help you. The same with the self-defense. I give you master of the year, self-defense of whatever, but if you don't really have it in your heart, uh, you will not success in the real fight. So I'm trying to teach my students that martial art is brain, heart, and then, you know, all the other things. So I hope I... I was uh, interesting to the audience, and I hope that I um, had some um, sharing with everyone. And thank you for having me, and I hope I didn't bore you or took from your time too much. 
it has been an extremely informative hour, and I'm very appreciative of the time that you've spent with us, Avi. Um, thank you so much. Oh, no problem. It was a pleasure, and thank you, and thank you for uh, educate people and having the website. All right. From all of us here at the ISCQC and on behalf of Jeff Anderson, uh, train hard and stay safe. Good night, everybody. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.